Happy Advent. Hopefully you're still saying that in a minute after we get Mark, the Gospel of Mark, um, 13th chapter in our Advent one reading this year. Jesus said, But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man is coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender, it puts forth its leaves so that you know summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves his home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. What I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Gospel of our Lord. And happy Advent, and I think that is the great way to end every gospel, especially before my sermon, keep awake. We have this weird tradition, um, and yet it's a tradition that um, will make sense in a minute, I think, that we start our Advent season, we start this journey towards Christmas with these apocalyptic texts. Um, and we now think of apocalypse as like, you know, Armageddon and a nice soundtrack. It's a really good soundtrack. Um, all of these sort of into the world, the things are scary, it's intimidating, we need to fix the problem, we need to solve things. But actually in this context, it's a very different kind of story. It's a positive, hopeful thing. But it's easy, even in the church, to get sucked into the sense of dread and doom and despair when we hear these scary, apocalyptic texts. And I'm going to do something that you should never do. I'm going to quote a song instead of playing it for you for copyright reasons. Um, but this is one of my favorite songs about the apocalypse. I know that many. Um, also, uh, the story behind it is great. So the, does anybody know the band Nickel Creek? Um, if you don't, go look them up. This is uh, one of Sarah and I's favorite bands of all time. Um, and one of the members, Sean Watkins, he's a guitar player, was in L.A., he's riding in a car, and he sees this billboard on the side of the freeway in L.A., and what does it say? The end of the world is near May 21st, 2011. Spoilers. Um, so he wrote this song called The 21st of May, and I love it because uh, uh, we're at this concert. It's the first time I ever heard it. He's telling the story. I saw this billboard. It said, the end of the world is coming on the 21st of May. And he said, what did that guy think when he woke up on the 22nd of May? And then he wrote this song um, with lines like this. Um, it's time to bid this whole world goodbye. Oh, glory, time to fly away. We'll meet our Savior in the sky. Hallelujah, on the 21st of May. I've never been so sure. I've never led anyone astray except the fall of 94. But hallelujah, the 21st of May. They laughed when Noah built his boat. They cried when came the rain. They mock me now, but I will float on the 21st of May. Hallelujah, for the 21st of May and the 22nd of May. And 
for seeing 2012 and 13 and 14. Um, Harold Camping led a cult who put up those billboards. I think he was probably a little disappointed that the end of the world did not come when he predicted it. Uh, I think the rest of us would be relieved that the 22nd of May showed up. I mean, I love this song because it just gets us into how bizarre it is that we try to twist and, and turn and, and look to these texts that Jesus leaves us with that says you will never know and turn them into things that help us to know. Some secret knowledge, some new thing. I mean, literally, Jesus says, even I do not know when all of these things that God has started will be finished. And yet, this guy in L.A. was dead certain. It was me the 21st of May. And how often is it easy to get sucked into all the doom and gloom in our own world? All of the scary things that we see around us or the challenging things that have no solution yet? I mean, all of these moments that try to tell us that we are on a, a runaway trajectory to death and destruction. And it's not that we should not care. We shouldn't engage all of our own destructive behavior. But also, this reading this week is a reminder as we start this Advent season that God is promising that God is doing something. And we are to pay attention, not predict. We are to notice the signs, to dive in and get our hands dirty with the work that God is doing to fix this mess, to bring creation to its joyful conclusion. Um, but woe to us who think we can predict or figure it all out. Stay awake. Pay attention. This bit of Mark uh, is being heard by the early Christian community um, decades after Jesus has died. Um, so Mark was probably written around 70 AD, so we're talking like at least, you know, 40 years after Jesus has died on the cross, we hear in the community finally written down the gospel that we have. Um, the story obviously had been, been told and passed along orally this whole time, but finally now the gospel of Mark, at least, was written down decades later. Imagine you have this burgeoning movement of Christians, um, and you have these words of Jesus saying, you will see what God is doing. You will see all these things come to a joy-filled conclusion. This is, this is not apocalypse, doom, and gloom. This is finally God will reign and rule and, and sweep all of the mess up and, and toss it out, and we will be left with the way things are meant to be. And you are hearing those words decades and decades after they have been spoken. And the question in everyone's mind is, when exactly is this going to happen? The temple in Jerusalem at this point has been ripped down. Um, and this is not just a religious building. This is not a, a church or a, a synagogue or a mosque or, or something that we think of as some architecture. You remember when the, the people flee Egypt and they're out in the desert and, and God appears to Moses on Mount Sinai and receives what? Thank you. That was a more robust response than I usually get. I appreciate you. Um, and there is, if you've seen any Indiana Jones, you've probably seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. What is in the Ark? That was like a give me. All right. Um, but God's presence goes with the people. In fact, there's whole chapters of, of Exodus and Leviticus. They describe how God dwells, literally dwells among the people. And then finally, when they get to the promised land, when they get to Jerusalem and create the city, the temple is where God lives. This is not a building. These are not stones. <laughs> this is the Holy of Holies. This is where God literally dwells among the people. And the Romans come and they knock it all down. 
Now, even though you're Christian, even though you're a follower of Christ, you're still Jewish also at this time. It's not in the same kind of nice linear distinctions that we have in all of our religious differences and distinctions today. I mean, you grow up in culturated part of this community that looks to the temple as the place where God dwells. And then all of a sudden, this, this imperial power just comes in and says, well, that's causing a lot of trouble, knocks it down. <laughs> and you remember these words that Jesus preached while he was here. No one knows, but God is here. God is doing something. God is pulling this all back together, and all you see is destruction and chaos and things which to mourn. And it's easy to pick up on all of the things that are sensational, that catch a headline, that make us feel feelings. It's a lot harder to slow ourselves down enough to notice all of the ways that God is working in and around and through us and through community to, to surprise us with how the, the pulling together of this messy creation is actually a good thing. It is actually happening, but we have to pay attention. We have to stay awake. Says the kid who played t-ball in, in Little League on waste management, Pataskal, Ohio, the waste management team, um, it's like the coveted team to be on in our little league. And uh, I always was assigned to the outfield because I was the kid that was facing the wrong direction, like counting the flower petals. Um, or maybe we just like to throw Netflix on and not hit it for a while until it finally gives like the little thing of shame. Like, are you still watching this? Um, I mean, maybe it's all of the other ways that we like to distract ourselves with things that just help us to, to step back and distance from the reality that this world is messy, that our relationships and connections are messy, that what we believe about God or know about what God is doing is pretty confused and pretty messy. And Jesus says, even I don't really know how all of this is playing out. That's not the point. The point is to pay attention, to stay awake. At the end of our reading this week, um, there's this little line that gives us some hope, uh, some perspective. Um, Jesus says about that day and hour no one knows, uh, beware, keep alert. But then he tells a story about a person going on a journey and the whole household of workers that he leaves behind to pay attention. You ever find yourself thinking that it's all up to you? Maybe it's at work. Like, you've got to toe the line, you've got to get it all done because everyone else is unreliable. Or you work for yourself. Or maybe you just feel like no one else is paying attention to the things that you really care about or are paying attention to. Um, and so you got to do it because no one else is noticing. Like all this, all this is just piling up and it's on me to fix it and figure it all out. You ever feel like you just have the weight of everything on your shoulders and it is up to you to make it through and to get to the next day? And always in those moments, always, because we are all still standing, there are little tiny reminders that although it is so easy to internalize that it is all up to us, we share an awful lot of the workload. We have a lot of people in our lives who help shoulder our emotional burdens, who help shoulder our physical work. Um, there are a community or communities around us that surround us. And even when we are feeling really antisocial or like we just need to separate ourselves from people for a while, they still remind us we care. We're thinking about you. We're here. 
And maybe you're one of those people that's good at just connecting to others in life and reminding them that they are not alone. I mean, that is where Jesus drives this whole text about what is to come, about God trying to, to start on this path of bringing creation back into the way it is supposed to be. Jesus says, you have each other to stay awake. I don't remember the last time I pulled an all-nighter, thankfully. Um, it might be this coat rack that I started last December, and I'm determined to get done by Christmas, but I feel like we've all had that experience of trying to keep our eyes open when they just will not stay open. You're on the 14th hour of the drive to wherever, or you have that thing that you just have to finish wrapping or get done, and they start to go blurry. Um, it is not a good feeling to try to hold it all on our own. It is impossible to not rest or get a break or just have a second to sink back. And yet Jesus says our task is to always stay awake. So I think the end of this, this little mini parable that he tosses in is a reminder that we stay awake as a community. When we are not feeling it, when we are not seeing God's presence in this world, we have each other to point it out, to help us to sink into a little bit of joy when we don't have it. I mean, when we think we cannot keep our eyes open another second, let alone get through all of our own stuff and carry the burdens of this world, we have all sorts of other people surrounding us, reminding us, praying with us, a way of saying that we care too, that we carry this burden, that we stay awake together. This is just the first time of a lot of times where I'm going to use tree lot illustrations in a sermon. Um, <laughs> I'm in management, so I don't spend a lot of time down there. It's mostly on a spreadsheet. Um, but the couple times that I have been um, have been this reminder that a community paying attention and staying awake, that that, that is what Jesus is trying to point us towards as we begin this, this season of preparing ourselves to hear what God is doing in this world. So the other night, I'm down there. Um, a couple of us are standing around, um, and a, a car pulls up. Um, an older woman gets out with her um, middle-aged daughter. They're looking for a Christmas tree. Um, and they come over and they say, oh, we've been to, been to 10 Christmas tree lots. What, what do your trees cost? I'm like, well, spoilers, our trees are 80 bucks. Um, that seems like a lot of money if you haven't bought a tree for 10 years. Um, it, we're really competitive in the market. Just to, okay. Um, long story short, everywhere they had been had been more, but still. Um, you could just see the crestfallen look um, in the older woman's face. Uh, her husband had died. It's the first Christmas tree she'd bought on her own since that had happened. She had $50. That was what she wanted to pay for a Christmas tree. She could not find a Christmas tree. You could tell her daughter wanted to just like toss in the extra, but could not. We all know those dynamics. And so here they were, and they're standing in the parking lot, and they were ready to just like turn right around and get back in their car. And I don't know if you realize this, but if you look left or right, you can probably find someone who's donated a Christmas tree in this room. We have a bunch of Christmas tree donations for just exactly this moment. Actually, I did not anticipate this moment. Um, I thought we would just be dropping trees off to families who have tight budgets or, or maybe people who are at sowing seeds and say, oh, I'd love a tree, but I can't afford one. Um, this is the perfect example of what it looks like to pay attention, to stay awake as a community. We have all of this money that we have stockpiled to do nice things for people at Christmas time. Um, and when she said, I only have $50, it is really quick and easy for us to say, that's okay. That's great. Take a tree. We have 800 trees to get rid of. Please just buy a tree. <laughs> and we started to talk, and she started to share her story 
Um, and I think it's important to point out she shared her story after, not before. Uh, this wasn't the kind of thing that comes easily. This wasn't the kind of thing she was going to leverage to get a slightly cheaper Christmas tree. This was just how she ended up in this moment and a reminder to us that, that in mysterious and unexpected and simple ways, God is reminding us that when we pay attention, we're able to see how for all the brokenness and the struggle and her story and this world, there are these moments that break through that remind us of what things are really about, that we are connected that she is able to relive so many fond and happy memories because she has a tree in her living room this year, one that she probably would have found eventually by driving another 10 places, but now instead has this story of all of you, of us, connected in these weird, bizarre ways, reminding us of what God is bubbling up. And then, last night, closing down, we've, we've closed the Christmas tree lot, um, turns out we were out of some essentials, so I go into Roach Brothers. It's really handy to run a Christmas tree lot in a grocery store parking lot because then you can just every single night go in and get like the bag of cheese that you forgot for dinner. Um, and so I'm doing another one of these like little mini runs and I have a couple groceries and I come out and I see this car come bombing around the corner. I mean fast. Like she takes that corner at 20 miles an hour into the parking lot and skids to a stop and sees the lights are still on but the clothes sign is out. And you've been there. You've been the last person when you were just trying to like rush into Lowe's for that thing you needed to finish the project. And it is 8.55 and they give you the hairy eyeball. And we've been there. Um, and she had two kids in her car. They just finished dinner. And she was going to get them a tree. And they got out of the car. And I just picked up that vibe. You know how you pick up that vibe. Um, I picked up that vibe. Like single mom with kids. Going to make Christmas awesome. Nothing has stopped me this far. I have like pulled this together. This is gonna, ha I'm gonna get them a tree. And she was very polite and very nice and saw the clothes sign and said, oh, you, you don't have trees. That's okay. We'll try to, we'll try to come back tomorrow. They weren't from around here. I said, buy a tree. Like, I, I can stand here another five minutes. The toilet paper is not going to get cold in the car. It's fine. Um, and, and they picked out their tree and she literally threw it on her shoulder and shoved it in the trunk of her car. And you could tell you could just tell that nothing was getting her down. I mean, that she had powered through some stuff, that she had been working hard for a long time at a lot of things, and she had been used to just doing it on her own and making it all happen. And to be able to be there for just another minute and be a small part of that, I mean, to, to be a reminder to her that she's not on her own, that she doesn't have to shoulder all of the burden all of the time, that people care, that, that there is always another 10 minutes to sell another Christmas tree. Never mind. That was supposed to be funny. Really, there's a lot of trees to sell. That's my point. I mean, so many tiny little moments. They seem so simple and innocuous and the, the least spiritual of all the spiritual things we might do. I'm going to give you a little secret. Um, if I really want to tap into in some way what it looks like to stay awake and pay attention to what God is doing in this world, prayer is wonderful. It's terrible for me. It's all these little moments where I am not setting aside time, where I am not trying to be intentional, that God shakes me loose and says, this is why you're here. This is why this community matters. Matters. This is what Jesus is about right now in the middle of all of these things, breaking into this world in surprising ways. It's little, normal, unexpected moments that remind us of God's great love that knits us all together. And all of that is made possible because we collectively are able to stay awake, to pay attention, to tell all of those little stories. 
I mean, may we be people who gather together and remind ourselves of those tiny little moments that bubble up and point to the fact that God is not done with this broken creation, that God is actually birthing something beautiful and new. May we remind ourselves of all of those little stories that we aren't always going to be awake ourselves, but other people are awake and paying attention with us, bringing that back to the community so that we are able to to witness, to rejoice in all these tiny little moments that point us towards something bigger that's afoot. Amen?